Isn't it true about life that you go through transitions? You know, there's little major trials, there's minor trials, different things like that. And haven't you learned that uh, going through those, experiencing God's faithfulness, that uh, those things become a great blessing? I mean, I, I think back to things that Ellen and I have uh, experienced in our 42 years of marriage and uh, different trials we've gone through. And now we look back and we say, boy, God was there all the time. God was blessing us in ways we, we just didn't realize. Uh, I don't know if you designed it this way, but this display of the cross made me think about the experience of life. How life is really full of a lot of broken pieces but God is so faithful that he can uh, produce the cross of Christ in our experiences, that he can make us more like him. He takes the broken pieces of our life and he conforms us to his image. That's true. That's true for you. That's true for your church. I know this is a time of transition, but God is still on his throne. And God has a plan. And times like this can be one of the greatest times of blessing. You know, uh, the day after Christmas, uh, a few months ago, uh, we had one of those minor trials that uh, we had not planned. It was not on the calendar. Uh, we were over at our son's house. Uh, he, our son and his wife have our little grandson. I've got to get that in there somehow. We love our little Jasper. But we were over helping our son replaces hot water heater. Now, I'm not a plumber. You know, I've just kind of do some things around the house. But uh, we were cheaper to uh, uh, replace it ourselves. So I was helping our son do that. And we had it up. It's, it's built up on a platform in the garage. And so we were finishing it up. And I was up on a ladder about this high. And I was putting the, exalt, you know, the vent pipes on the top of that uh, hot water heater. And I got a little bit careless and the ladder began to move, and, uh, you know, there's an elevated part of the garage, and it dropped off that elevated part, and the ladder was now tilted. Next thing I knew, I was in midair, and I had no idea what to grab or where everything was, and managed to get my left leg pointed to the ground. And when I fell, it took the brunt of everything and literally collapsed, and the uh, tibia uh, bone fractured, was crushed down, and uh, I knew immediately I had uh, really injured myself. So uh, after emergency room, a few days later, I had surgery on that leg. As you can see, it's healed up great. I can put full weight on it. But uh, about two weeks after the surgery, Ellen took me down to see the surgeon, check up, and uh, yeah, I was on crutches. He had told me, don't put any weight on it. And he x-rayed it. He says, everything looks good, but he reminded me, for eight weeks, don't put any weight on that leg because I've got that, you know, the metal in, the screws, the bone's there, but it's got to have time for that bone to heal, you know, to get back up where it's supposed to be. So we left uh, his office at Big Baylor, and we went uh, towards our home and stopped to eat a bite. And uh, as we pulled up, and I was getting out of the car, and on my crutches, you know, no weight on that leg. And as I walked up to the door, I noticed inside the door was this group of people looked like a big family. And one of the men jumped up, ran over, and opened up the door for me. Man, I said, sir, thank you so much as I was, you know, using the crutches to get in. And I appreciate that. And he says, and 
we're going to pray for that leg in just a minute. Now, it wasn't a big family. It was a church group that were meeting there. And it was a, a healing holiness type church group. I'll kind of give you that uh, heads up. And uh, they believe that God always heals instantaneously. I believe God does heal instantaneously, but sometimes he chooses to do it the way he wills. And we wait upon him, you know, and we, we know any healing comes from him. And uh, so anyway, and he said, we're going to pray for you. So some of the members came over to our table, and uh, they prayed for my leg. I appreciated the prayer. And as soon as uh, it finished, one of the members said, now, get up and walk on that leg. And uh, I'm thinking, wait a second, you know, I... Uh, I said, uh, I, I appreciate the prayers. I don't quite agree with your theology. You know, I, I, I think of uh, when God took Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones, he asked Ezekiel, now can these bones live? Ezekiel had the best answer. He said, only you know, Lord. So uh, if God's going to heal instantaneously, only God knows that. But I can tell you, I felt nothing instantaneous in my leg that said it had been healed. It felt just like it did. It was achy just like it had before. So I said, I, I don't think that's what God wants me to do, but I appreciate the prayers. And uh, they came back uh, later and said, now God's healed that leg. It's already healed, you know. You just have faith. But, uh, but I, I want to tell you, two months later, I am so glad God did it the way he did it. I mean, it would have been great had, even in the garage, God just instantaneously healed that leg, and he could have done that. But during these two months that I have been on crutches, and uh, it has been a spiritually refreshing time. When you have that kind of injury, you've got to spend a lot of time seated with your leg elevated. And so I have sat more than I have in years. I always have a quiet time, but my quiet times have been, and were longer during that time. And there were additional times of just praying to the Lord. It was a refreshing time. I, one of the things that God reminded me of, it's always been true, but I forget about it, just how dependent I am. You know, we kind of think, hey, I can handle things, I can take care of things, I can work this out. The truth is we are very dependent and apart from God. We can do nothing, Jesus said. Now, my sweet wife, she helped me, took care of me, brought me food there to my easy chair. I mean, it was a daily reminder of how dependent I am. And it was a reminder of how dependent I am every moment upon God. I want to tell you, if, if God had instantaneously healed my leg. I would have missed the best part. And that's the spiritual blessing that came as a result of it. Now I want you to think about how this time for you as a church can be a tremendous blessing. If you are faithful and persevering and not backing up or looking back, but just trusting God each step of the way. And that's what I want to encourage you about today is to persevere in your service for the Lord. No matter what happens in our life, we always keep our eyes upon Him and keep moving forward, putting our hand to the plow, never looking back. And God will honor that in your life. If you're going through a trial right now, if you're going through a major or minor trial in your life, 
If you will persevere, God will bless you in a wonderful way. And you never know all the ways that he's going to work. You know, the Bible says repeatedly that we should add to our faith perseverance. Remember what the writer of Hebrews said? He says, let us run the race with what? With perseverance. This race is set before us with Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. Let's run with perseverance. Peter was describing some things that ought to be qualities of our faith in the Lord. And in his letter, he said, make every effort to add to your faith. And then he listed seven different qualities. Wonderful, godly qualities. He said, add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly kindness, and love. All of those are qualities that are qualities of Christ. And right in the middle was perseverance. Add to your faith perseverance. I was talking to a pastor who was dying of cancer. And he said to me, he said, you know, Bob, I can't give up because if I give up, you know, in trusting God through this trial, he said, I never really believed like I should have in the first place because faith perseveres. Well, add to your faith perseverance. Add to your love of Christ perseverance. When Paul was describing the love of Christ in 1 Corinthians 13, right in the middle of that chapter, he describes some things that are always true about agape love, about God's love. And I'm sure you probably know that verse. It says, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always, what? Perseveres. Always perseveres. So if you have faith in Christ, add to your faith perseverance. If you love Christ, add to your faith perseverance. God blesses his children that never look back and keep looking forward. God will bless you in this time. This can be for you one of the most spiritually refreshing times in the life of your church. God will remind you of lessons you've known all along, but they're refreshed in your heart. God will prove his faithfulness. Again and again. Now I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 5. And I want to show you in the scriptures an experience in the life of Moses. Where God was not just teaching him about perseverance. But enabling that in his life. Do you realize that if you have perseverance in your life, it's really because God has enabled that in your life? The perseverance, we are dependent. Remember I said we're dependent. We're dependent upon him to help us be uh, enduring whatever we're going through. It's his strength we need. It's not a matter of me just saying, well, I've got so much willpower, I can, I can persevere. No, you need to be so surrendered to the Lord that God will enable that in your life. He will produce that in your life. And that's what I see happening in in this scripture passage in Moses' life, God was enabling in the life of Moses the perseverance he needed when everything was really difficult, when it was a time of transition for him. So in chapter 5, uh, set the stage, 
you know, chapter 3 and 4, God had called Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses made some excuses for a while. He finally came around that now in chapter 5, he's going to be obedient. He tried to uh, get someone else to do it. He told God that. But now in chapter 5, he is ready. He is trying to be obedient. God has said, go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go. And maybe Moses thought for a moment, you know, this, this is easy following the Lord. You just do what he says and it just happens. But he's going to find out it's not quite that easy. In verse 1 and 2, and you'll want to keep your Bible open to this passage because we'll read selected verses. He said, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. When Moses walked out, he knew this is not going to be easy. In fact, this is going to be very difficult. And that's the way serving the Lord is. I mean, you look at the examples in the Bible. When God asked someone to do something, it was not easy. It was not something they could do on their own strength or their own ability. It is something that would require the power of God working through them. If all you're attempting to do for the Lord is something you can do in your own ability, maybe you haven't heard all that God is calling you to do. It is in those times that we are trying to do something that is beyond our ability that we really experience God's power and God's will. I mean, Noah, he was asked to build an ark, not just a small ark, a huge ark, a difficult task. Samuel was asked to tell Eli the judgment of God upon his family. Nathan was asked to go into King David's presence. And confront him with the sin of Bathsheba, with Bathsheba. Daniel was placed in a lion's den. Uh, I noticed in that uh, video that started, he acted that out a little bit. Daniel in the lion's den. Elijah had to face 400 Baal prophets. God asked his followers to do difficult, difficult things. And that is standard procedure. And part of the reason is our faith grows through doing difficult things for God. Times of transition, times of trial. That is the way our faith grows. James talked about that. Through the trials, God uses that to work perseverance into our life. So Moses, if he thought for a moment that this is going to be easy, he walked out of Pharaoh's, the first meeting with Pharaoh, and he knew this is not easy. This is very, very difficult. But let me uh, take a parentheses here and say later in Moses' life, when he is uh, getting ready for God to call him home, in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, the last book he wrote, he is looking back, he's challenging the, the Israelites to obey God, to choose life, and to be obedient to him. And he says to them this, in chapter 30, verse 11, says, it's difficult, but it's not too difficult. That's what he learned. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. Whenever God has asked us to do something that is difficult, we need to remember it's not too difficult because God is with me everywhere I go. So Moses was learning an important lesson. Following the Lord is difficult. But he also learned something else as we read further. It doesn't just get difficult, it gets worse. 
And that's what happened to Moses. So if you look in verse 13 and 19 of Exodus 5, Pharaoh didn't just say no. He said, we're going to make life miserable for the Israelites. So he told his slave drivers to double their work, not give them any straw. They had to have just as many bricks made. And we read about it in verse 13. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you for each day just as when you had straw. Pharaoh doubled the work. They already had more than they could possibly do. And now it was doubled. In, in addition to building and preparing the bricks, they had to go get all the straw to get the supplies together. Pharaoh set up an impossible situation. And then he sent his slave drivers in to get in their face and to, and to beat them and to holler at them. I mean, it was a terrible thing. And the Israelite foreman realized this is impossible. So in verse 19, it says the Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. These were Israelites who were organizing the work of the Israelite slaves. And they said, we know we're in trouble. That word means adversity. It means grief. It means hardship. And so these Israelite foreman and the Israelite people knew that this has not gotten better. This has gotten much worse. And what was Moses thinking? He was saying, God, I'm just trying to do what you told me to do. And it's not only really hard, but now everything seems to be going the other way. I tell you, sometimes that's the way it is in following the Lord. We think, boy, this is difficult, God, and then it seems to get worse right away. God's not finished yet. When I was in seminary back in the mid-70s at Southwestern, the first class I went to, I, I don't remember what professor it was, but I'll never forget something he said. We had a lot of new students, and he said, you know, many of you, this is your first day of class. You've just come to seminary. Some of you have come out of college, you know, which I had. He said, others of you were in the business world. You were working, and you felt God's call to ministry. And so you quit your job, you packed up your family, you moved here to Fort Worth, and now you're enrolled in this class. And he says, but I want to say to all of you, God has enrolled you in another class you may not be aware of. He said, many of you, when you come here, you're going to have a lot of struggles and suffering. Family members are going to be sick. You might lose a job that you had coming here. You're going to have a lot of trials. But he said, that's a part of the process. That's the lesson you need to learn. Because through the working of trials in your life, God is going to give you perseverance. And you're going to need that in the ministry. I tell you, I have thought a lot about the wisdom of his words. Haven't you experienced that? Sometimes it doesn't get better. It gets worse. But God is just using that to mold our heart. And that was what was exactly happening to Moses. And it even got worse than that when you read in chapter 5, verse 20, uh, that the Israelites are now mad at Moses. Listen to that. When they left Pharaoh, meaning the Israelite foreman, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh 
and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now think what Moses must have been feeling. He has been trying to help the Israelites. He is only doing what God called him to do. And now they are mad at him and blaming him for all these problems that are taking place. So Moses was experiencing, it's difficult, it gets worse, and even my friends are blaming me. He was struggling. And he came to the Lord. In the verses that followed, he reached out to God and he poured his heart out to God. And God heard him and answered his questions. This is not like the prior chapter that when Moses made excuses to God and says, you know, I can't uh, do that because I'm not a person that speaks well or, you know, send someone else or uh, what if I don't know your name? You know, he gave all these excuses. God answered every one. And finally Moses says, God, just send somebody else. And the Bible says God was angry at Moses. He loved him too much to just let him go and rebel like that. He was angry at his disobedience and his unwillingness to do what God was calling him to do. That was chapter 4. This is chapter 5. Moses is being obedient. He has repented and says, God, I am trying to do what you've asked me to do. This is an obedient servant who's struggling. And God does not get angry at him. God listens to him. Here's what Moses said. Verse uh, 22. It says, Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is that why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. He has said, God, I don't understand why is this happening. He he is saying to God, ever since I decided to obey you, it's gotten worse. And now you have not rescued this people. I thought you were going to bless them. I thought you were going to rescue them. You have not done that. He, He is saying, God, what kind of God are you? I thought you would bless me and bless the Israelites. And we've just had trouble since we've started trying to do what you've told me to do. He is questioning the character of God. He's saying, God, I don't understand what is happening in my life. I cannot explain the trial that I'm going through. Have you ever been there where Moses is? Boy, I have. There are many times we cannot explain what's going on. And he was just pouring out his heart to God, but he was questioning the character of God. And then in chapter 6, and I believe it is verse 13, uh, actually it's verse 12. Here's what the Bible says. But Moses said to God, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me since I speak with faltering lips? He's bringing up that old excuse he had. He is now saying, God... I'm not sure your plan's going to work. I don't know how this works. I am a man of faltering lips, and if the Israelites won't even listen to me, how is Pharaoh going to listen to me? He is questioning the power of God. He is saying, God, how is this going to work? How does your plan work? I don't understand it. So, so Moses is, from the depths of his heart, saying, God, I, 
I don't understand. Why is this happening? How is this going to work? He is wondering about the character of God. He is questioning the power and plan of God. And God answers him as he will any obedient servant who is struggling in following God's plan. Let me show you what he said. In chapter 6, verse number 2, God said to Moses a phrase that he's going to repeat four more times. In verse 2 it says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. He's going to repeat that. What's the significance of that phrase, I am the Lord? Do you remember when Moses was making excuses, he said, God, what if, what if the Israelites ask who sent me, what am I to tell them? And God says, you tell them, I am that I am. I am the God of Abraham and uh, Jacob and Joseph and Isaac. I am the God who has shown his character to these people throughout their history. I am the God who has been faithful to guide them and deliver them. I am the God. I am who I am. And now he is reminding Moses of who he is. He is reminding him of his character. He is reminding him of all those things that they have experienced in the character and the goodness and the power of God. He is saying, God, he is saying to Moses, I am that I am. And so in verse 6, he repeats it as, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And in verse 7, he says, I will take you as my people, I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. In verse 8, he says, I will bring you to the land I swore to you with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And then in verse 29, he says, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, everything I will tell you. Five times he repeats to Moses, Moses, I am the Lord. He is reminding him of his character. He is reminding of his past acts of power and goodness and compassion and grace. And so the lesson here for us is that when we find that it is getting difficult in our life, when we cannot explain what's happening, when it seems to be going from bad to worse, when others or even blaming us as we're trying to be obedient to the Lord. In those times, think about God's character. Think about His goodness. Think about His compassion. Think about His wisdom. Think about His grace. Think about His strength. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We sang it a moment ago. Bless the Lord. He is rich in love. He is slow to anger. His name is great. His heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I tell you, in difficult times, think about the character of our God. Think about His grace and his goodness, his love, his kindness. That's not all God said. In this same chapter, he says another phrase. It's first found in verse 6 of chapter 6. He said, therefore say the Israelites, I am the Lord. And he says, I will bring you out. 
And he's going to repeat six more times that phrase, I will. To an obedient servant that wondered, God, how is this going to work? How is your plan? Questioning the power of God. God is going to say to him again and again, Moses, I will. And so he said in verse 6, I will bring you out. And he says, I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you. In verse 7, he says, I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In verse 8, he says, and I will bring you to the land. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So when Moses questioned the character of God, God says, Moses, remember my name. Remember my character. I am the Lord. And when he questioned the plan and power of God, He reminded him, Moses, I will do what I've said. I will keep my promise. In my timing, in my way, I will accomplish everything that I have planned. I will do it. Our God says, I am and I will. And we sing about a God of angels' armies. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind me. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of heaven's armies is always by my side. He is the God who says, I am and I will. And so in times of trial, in times of transition, individually or as a church, we must persevere. We must never look back. We must put our hand to the plow and keep moving forward. We must run with perseverance all the way to the finish line. For that is what God enables us to do because of his power working within us. It is what God enables us to do because of who he is. He is the God who said, I am and I will. Thanks for listening to the Oaks Cast. The Oaks meets on Sundays at 9 a.m. for traditional service and 10.30 a.m. for contemporary service. For more information, you can visit us at discovertheoaks.org.